Welcome to Let's Talk Governance, a podcast to support regional West Australian non-for-profit groups to lead and steer their activities with high impact, confidence and compliance. The podcast is brought to you by the Grower Group Alliance and made possible with the generous support of podcast sponsor, the CBH Group. Your host is Ricky Foss of the Grower Group Alliance, and our expert guest for this episode is not-for-profit governance advisor, Caroline Robinson. The Grower Group Alliance is a WA statewide network of around 60 farmer-led grower groups that are all run with volunteer committees. Established by grower groups for grower groups over 20 years ago, today member groups extend from Kununurra in the northwest all the way down to Esperance in the southeast. Across the network, the groups have a diverse collective membership of around 4,000 farm enterprises, operating in all sectors of the agriculture industry at all different levels of scale and purpose. Hello everyone and welcome to our Let's Talk Governance podcast. My name is Ricky Foss and I'm the Chief Executive Officer of the Grower Group Alliance. Let me introduce our Guest Governance Advisor, Caroline Robinson, who will be delivering all the technical content. Caroline is an experienced not-for-profit advisor and has delivered the GDA's governance e-course for the past two years. Caroline has also worked with the committees of several GGA grower groups to write their strategic plan. A graduate of the Australian Institute of Company Directors with a Bachelor of Commerce, Diploma of Education and Cert 4 in Human Resources. Caroline has founded, led and supported numerous not-for-profit organisations in rural Western Australia. Caroline is also a farmer in the Shire of Narrambeen so understands very well about rural life in regional WA and is passionate about organisations that support rural Western Australia's vibrancy, growth and essential services. One final impressive fact about Caroline is that in 2011, Caroline was awarded the AgriFutures National and Western Australian Rural Woman of the Year. Welcome Caroline. Let's Talk Governance. In today's podcast, we're going to focus on the collection of the most frequently asked questions you receive from non-for-profit organisations in regional Western Australia. So I guess the first burning question that we all have is where do we find board members in regional communities and regional WA? That's a very good question, Ricky. And I think uh, volunteer fatigue is real in our not-for-profit sector uh, we have a lot of um, people that are time poor uh, and have committed to multiple roles. And, and I commonly hear the words, uh, no one wants to volunteer, and it's the same people in, all, in our communities doing the same roles. And these statements are true, but if we continue to circulate them, then it becomes a self-perpetuating story. So we have to be careful, but they are out there. And uh, firstly, I think the main thing to do is just to determine what skills and experiences you currently have in your club or your association, what you need, and what are the intentions of the other people on the board for their terms of office. Also have a look at your current board and how big it is. Is it too big or is it too small even? Can you restructure and create a less formal structure and have more people involved and have a subcommittee without them having to commit time to a bigger board. And uh, the other thing that we all need to take on is that everyone uh, that sits around the table in our clubs or associations, they're leaders and and their role is to influence and to maximise the efforts of other people. 
So if your role is to influence and maximise the efforts of others, your role is to go and find those board members and find people to help you with your club's purpose. So a couple of people on boards that I know that have, of what they've done is often they've gone and asked people for their assistance directly. So that's influencing and encouraging others to participate and, and definitely don't assume that everybody uh, knows what everyone does or can do. There's a couple of silent contributors in our communities that we need to tap on the shoulder. The other thing is to be really clear with what you want them to do. Ask people to be part of your uh, club or association and talk about what your goals are to bring them along for the ride and get them excited about it. Uh, if you're looking for younger volunteers, like I know there's a couple of historical societies in the regions that say we definitely need some young people, we'll go and talk to the school or go and talk to a young mum or young father that might want to be engaged in some social connection um, and help their communities out. The other really important thing to do is to ask how you are currently performing. And if you're struggling to find people for your committee, you absolutely need to ask yourself, well, why? And do people want to be part of this? Are we fun? And do we create that social connection or is it just a lot of hard work? And I think um, it's really important for your board to reflect on that and to understand why people would want to volunteer. And generally, they'll, they will volunteer for either an experience or an emotional connection. Uh, and if you can understand that reason, then I think you will be able to find people for your board. Great. So I think a few key uh, points you've outlined there is actually asking people to be part of the organisation, which is a really important thing. Quite often people like to be asked. Also in terms of the purpose, really outlining what the purpose of the organisation is and having a really positive narrative and and really understanding the why, why people are or aren't attractive to, to the organisation. So some really good points there, Caroline. To find your local grower group, head to the Grower Group Alliance website, gga.org.au. While you're there, subscribe to the GGA newsletter, Newswire, and be sure to stay up to date with the activities and opportunities from the 60-plus groups around WA that make up the vibrant and diverse Grower Group Alliance network. I guess um, the next uh, question is, and for those of you who are on a board or want to be on a board, we so we've got a board established, but we have a few board members that are not very active during meetings or between them. How do you see a resolution or an action going forward? How can we resolve this if you're currently sitting on a board? So it can be very difficult to have board members who aren't actively participating either at the meeting or between meetings and getting stuff done. And it just affects the culture of your club or association. So it's really important to address it. So if you are the chair in particular, you need to make sure that you set some really clear expectations and you need to communicate that to all of your board members and what's expected of them. And this could be done formally through a code of conduct, or it could just be a simple statement at meetings by the chair. It's really important to check in with that inactive board member as to why they aren't contributing and if there's something that's preventing them from engaging. Perhaps that they feel that their contributions aren't valued or they have other commitments that are taking up their time, but you need to understand their perspective and that's being really empathetic as a board chair in particular. 
Sometimes board members don't have the confidence to ask what is required. So you might have to actually specifically set some things out and say, at this meeting, I want you to do this or between meetings, I'd like you to take on this action. And, you know, the good old chestnut of providing that training and support. So some people just haven't got those necessary skills or they lack that confidence to perform their role, which is quite okay. It's it, And that should be looked at as an opportunity and how do you help them to do the best that they can do. And if they fail to engage, despite all of your best er- efforts, it might be just considering whether they have the right skills and experiences to fit that board. And in some cases, it might be better for them to step down and you might have to actively encourage that. But you absolutely have to have to approach this issue with empathy and understanding and that the generally for the majority of clubs and associations in rural Western Australia, they are volunteers and they are busy. So you have to remember they're volunteers on, on most occasions. Absolutely. And I think it's um, important to note that sitting on a board isn't always easy and identifying those skill sets is really important. I think as you out- outlined early, the, the chair really plays an important role and how they facilitate the uh, extracting the value of each member through that process. Owned and controlled by around 3,800 WA grain growing businesses, CBH Group is proud to be actively involved with and supportive of the communities we operate in. We do this through our Community Investment Fund, and a large part of this fund is committed to building leadership capacity in our regional communities. We support and deliver programs that build strength, resilience, knowledge, and skills for future industry leaders to work towards a sustainable and profitable grain growing industry. For more info, head to cbh.com.au. So I guess on to the next question, in terms of numbers, it's always a difficult one. As you said, volunteer fatigue is an issue, getting people to boards or representing the committee in the right space. What do you believe is the ideal number to be sitting on a board? So I'll sit on the fence with this, Ricky, and I'll say that it depends on the nature of your association. And and my approach is to always design a board or, or a leadership group according to what you need that association to do to achieve its objectives and your objectives are written in your constitution it's the usually the second or third dot point in your constitution so design it in a way that's going to be able to achieve those objectives and also within the industry and the community that you operate so if you're um, a sports club you wouldn't have you know 12 or 13 on your club committee you might just need three or four people just to help it along right but I've seen some really large boards or committees for you know, things like agricultural shows that work really well because there is actually a mountain of work that needs to be done. Absolutely. So I've seen ag shows with small, like they've got a smaller board or a committee and then they've got lots of little subcommittees underneath that doing all the day-to-day stuff. So I don't think there's an ideal number. I certainly believe in less, but it depends on the complexity of your organisation and where you're operating. And just to make sure you've got that diversity of thought opinion and demographics around your table to make the best decisions. Great. So the structure really depends on what strategy and what you're trying to achieve at that point Mm. in time. I guess moving on to more of a technical question in terms of how we appoint vacancies on a board, it's an interesting one. No one often wants to put up their hand, but how do we appoint 
vacancies on board and and how or do we need to elect a chair if one is not nominated at an AGM? Yeah, so this is quite common and how many times do you go to a a meeting and no one puts their hand up? No one puts their hand up. (laughs) (laughs) So so when a a vacancy arises on a board, um, either through a resignation, a sickness or any other reasons under the Associations Act or in your constitution, I really recommend go back to your constitution and have a look at the process and be really clear on what that process is going forward and stick to that process. So generally the board can fill a vacancy as it sees fit and the person can be appointed until the next AGM or that that term of vacancy ceases for that person that's left. Some associations have experienced vacancies at AGMs where no one steps up to the position, particularly in an office-bearing role, and the room just goes silent and everyone just thinks, oh, this is uh, this is not good. Very quiet. Yep, really quiet. But, you know, if I was sitting in that room, I'd be saying, why? Why, why are we in this position, right? But anyway... But it can be quite common at an AGM for no one to put their hand up to f- fulfil that office-bearing role. So you can leave that position vacant until you find a, a suitable and committed individual. And if that's the case, then the board just needs to decide who's going to chair the meetings. And again, go back to your constitution and just check that and consider how you delegate out those responsibilities until you can find that person. Great. Good advice. Is your event visible? Attract traffic to your agricultural industry event by featuring it in the GGA statewide events calendar. Circulated fortnightly in the newsletter Newswire, the Grower Group Alliance calendar is the most comprehensive calendar for the Western Australian agricultural industry. Featuring your event is free. Head to the Grower Group Alliance calendar webpage to submit an event at ggA.org.au. I think we've um, we've spoken about volunteers vacancies and and numbers of um, people that actually should be sitting on boards. I guess now if we can turn our focus to risk, obviously there's um, increasing risk to boards and um, and what that may look like. As a board member, how are board members liable for the actions of the association? Yeah, so this is becoming more and more of a common question because of the risk appetite that boards have or don't have and um, people are, are scared of what, what might result if something goes wrong. But uh, incorporation protects members of the board. However, those members on the board, they have to act um, with due care, diligence and in good faith. And I've seen some constitutions include a liability clause, but it's not always necessary. But an incorporated association will generally be liable for anything a volunteer does in good faith when doing work organised by the association unless the volunteer steps outside of that scope of work which has been organised by the association or acts contrary to the instructions given by the association or is unable to do their work in a proper manner because their actions were significantly impaired by alcohol or drugs. But what I would say is you need to make those decisions collectively and if you go and do something yourself individually – that's when it will hurt everybody else sitting around the table. So it's really important to make sure that board members are on the same page and if there has been a directive or a resolution to not do something and the board member goes against this, then that's when we get into trouble. So everybody stay on the same page and know what your roles and responsibilities are. Absolutely, really key point and obviously communication plays a, a very big part in that. Well, Caroline, that concludes today's discussion. 
It's been great. Wonderful insights. Thank you very much. And we look forward to speaking to you again. Thanks, Ricky. We've come to the end. We hope you've enjoyed the content in this episode of our Let's Talk Governance podcast. Resources around governance for grower groups, including where to connect with guest expert Caroline Robinson, can be found on the Grower Group Alliance website at gga.org.au. Before we go, one final acknowledgement to our podcast sponsor, the CBH Group, who've been right behind this new way of making governance guidance really accessible to the Grower Group Alliance network and any other not-for-profit stakeholder groups tuning in.